Because at the end of the day, like what you say up about me says more about you than it does about me, right? So that's the same thing when it comes to leaving comments. Like what you're saying to people and how you're react, reacting to, to things that they've said in the past says more about you than it does about them. Hey guys, welcome back to my podcast starring Milana. If this is your first time here and you're listening on the audio apps, welcome. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. And if you're watching on YouTube because there is a visual to this podcast, make sure to subscribe, give this video a thumbs up, leave a comment, all of the good stuff. And of course, make sure to follow me at Starring Milana on Instagram and Twitter. Now, guys, um, I have to be honest with you. Uh, I've had a little bit of wine <laughs> and it's midday. Um, on a weekend, and of course I'm pre-recording this because I wanted to come out on Monday morning, I went to a baby shower and I just don't think that wine should be served so early in the morning because it really just brings you down, like you just kind of go downhill. Like wine is really an evening drink. Um, I'm trying to drink my now third cup of coffee to get through this podcast and this day because I have a really long day. But yeah, I was at a baby shower drinking wine at uh, 12 p.m. So now we're here. Um, Alina's going to get me through this podcast. So you guys, please bear with us. Happy Monday because you are listening to this on a Monday. If this is your first time here, we have three segments at the Starring Milana podcast. The first one is called BTS, where we recap my past week. The second segment is called Talkworthy, where we pick a few things going on in the media and we try to offer a different perspective. And the third segment is called Dropping Gems, where we pick a topic of the week and we drop a few gems. This week we're talking about cancel culture, the NCAA, uh, Halloween recap, and much, much more. So stay tuned to the whole episode. All right, guys, so let's just get into the BTS segment. It is now November. I can't believe that we only have two months until the year ends. I don't know how we got here. I feel like it's January and I'm releasing my first episode ever, scrambling, trying to figure out how to work the RSS feed, like... Whatever the fuck that means. I still don't know what that means. But we have only two more months left. You would think it's starting to get cold in L.A. It's like barely moving at all. Um, but I'm excited that Halloween is over. I just felt like Halloween was never ending this year. Usually I'm really excited. But people have been dressing up for like 10 days. So I'm like happy that we're starting the holidays. I'm really excited for Thanksgiving. I love December. I'm going to Michigan in December. So I don't know, I'm really excited for this year's holidays for some reason. Also, we are now going to be going through another time change. So we are going to gain an hour of sleep, or we already have, if you're listening to this on Monday. We already have gained an hour of sleep, but it is going to get darker earlier, which makes me feel like I want to go to bed at like 7 p.m. That's like the only downfall of that. Um, but it is brighter in the morning. So even though it's cold outside, it's still bright. So you can still get your mornings like started. And because it's just so bright, even though it's colder, it still works out. Um, so yeah, well, let's welcome to November. One thing I didn't get to talk about on my podcast last week is I recorded this before I went out, but I did go to the Jay Baldwin concert last weekend. It was so much fun. We were backstage. Um, we met him. He was super, super nice. And, you know, I love Spanish music. I have a Spanish playlist, 
But um, I want to say he's my favorite. Like, Maluma is my favorite. But when I saw him live, I really just, like, it really, when you see somebody live, it can make it or break it for you. When I saw The weekend live, I was like, this is it. Like, no one can touch him. He's the best, right? Um, I saw Rihanna live a really long time ago. Maybe it's different now. I think it was, like, her second tour. And I didn't love it. So, um, I, I, I like Rihanna as a mogul and everything that she is. But in that, like, part of her career I wasn't like okay I'm obsessed so I think it really does make it or break it for you when you see somebody live um it depends where your expectations are I guess right so if you have really really high expectations it can make it or break it for you there's artists that I've seen whom I didn't really have high expectations for I was like okay like I'll see them live and if they're good they're good if they're bad they're bad like I expect nothing with Jay Baldwin that's kind of what I went in with I kind of didn't expect much like I know his music and I was just planning on singing along but it was like a full-on showcase. He was amazing. He has, like, great stage presence. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it, and I'm now a bigger fan than I was before. What else happened? So Halloween, I told you guys last week that, I don't know, I might dress up this year. I might not. It was totally a fucking snooze fest. I happened to have, like, the longest week of my life last week, and although this whole time I had in my mind, like, if I end up going somewhere, I'll be Cleopatra. Well, guess what? Wednesday night before Halloween, I decided to try on my makeshift Cleopatra costume that I, in my head, vision. Like, all I need is my hair. It's already short. And I have this belt that I bought from Egypt and this, like, neck piece that I bought from Egypt. Like, a year ago, I'm ready to go. I'll just throw on, like, some black clothes. Well, guess what? I put on the belt. It was too big. I put on the little thing, and then I was like, what am I going to wear with this? I don't have a, a real cape. Like, it was just a disaster, so I decided that I just wasn't going to go anywhere for Halloween. Also, I started my period, okay? I was bloated and reloaded. I kind of still am. And I just decided it was going to be a night in. Another thing, my boyfriend was didn't have a costume, and he texted me on Wednesday night like, okay, if we go out, I'm going to be an 80s porn, uh, porn star director. I was like... What does that mean? He sends me a picture. He's like, I have to shave my beard. Sends me a picture of this, like, porn star director with a really thick mustache and, like, a like clean face. And I freaked out because I need my boyfriend to have a beard. Like, he looks like a, like a 12-year-old or, like, it's just not it. When he doesn't have a beard, I don't want to say the wrong things to offend him. But, you know, like, he's cute. But, like, I prefer for him to have a beard. He's like, oh, he's hot. Look, he has a beard, you know? Um, and I was like, oh, my God. If we go out on Halloween, he's going to shave his face. And he's going to have that fucking mustache. And it's going to piss me off for, like, a month until his shit grows back. So I was like, we're not going anywhere on Halloween. Don't worry about a costume. No pressure. We're going to stay in and watch TV. And that's basically exactly what we did. We did not do anything on Halloween. Um, and I think this was my first one in a while. So hopefully this is not a trend that I, that I start, but that was my Halloween. Also, I went to the doctor's office for my annual checkup and it was eight o'clock in the morning. So, you know, you know, they weigh you when you haven't eaten anything. It's like a good time to get weighed. <laughs> I'm 114 pounds, which to some of you guys are probably rolling your fucking eyes, but I'm five feet tall, and my weight caps at 110, sometimes goes to 112, back to 110. I'm now 114, and that really set, like, set in for me that this is it. Like, this is really where not everything goes downhill, but I cannot no longer 
live this reckless life of I'm going to work out and like do cardio and sweat my ass off and then I'm going to go eat a bag of hot Cheetos and a fat burger hamburger with Lena at midnight and then maybe go get some fries on top of that and then I'm going to work out and it's just miraculously going to go away. I've been living this like maintaining life for about three years now where I just work out and eat like shit and it all's fine. I'm just the same weight and this is it. It's it. It's over. It really kind of makes me sad because now is a realization that like you're really getting older. I'm going to be 30 and everyone always tells me like, oh, yeah, that's nothing. It gets even worse. I'm like, great. Tell me more. Like it just gets even worse now. I'm, then I have to reach a point where I just don't eat. Like how does this work? Like you, you work out for a week and you don't eat and then you're maintaining? Like I don't know, but I've decided that I'm going to boycott my 114 pounds. Is boycott the right word? I was boycotting the fact that I was 114 by eating more. I have been eating nonstop this week. I was like, fuck it. It's my period. When I saw my weight, when I got a bagel with cream cheese, low-fat cream cheese, then I had a six-inch sandwich with hot Cheetos. Then, what else did I have that day? A quarter of a cookie and pizza. Lena knows my whole fucking meal. I was really rebelling. That's the word. I was rebelling against my weight. I'm going to really enjoy all of my foods. And when January starts, that's it. I'm going to figure out a meal plan and I'm going to stick to it because I'm five feet tall. And like for some people, four pounds is totally fine because it fluctuates, like not fluctuate, it uh, distributes evenly within their tall bodies. It doesn't work like that for me. I go this way. It doesn't go up and down. It goes like this. So like, you know, so now I'm at a point where I just have to, I don't know. I don't, I hate diets. Like diets they make me want to rebel. Like when I'm like eating like on a diet, I feel restricted and all I want to do is eat more fucked up shit, right? And I love carbs. So I guess now I have to figure out a way where I, where I give myself like a cheat day, but I'm really strategic about my cheat day. Like I look at my week and I'm like, okay, on Thursday you have a dinner and you're going to John and Vinny's, and that's the day that you are going to have your cheat day and eat whatever you want. So up until that point, you you know, it's just like unfortunate that I have to live this lifestyle, but some people don't care. Some people can eat and live whatever, and that's fine. I'm just, I just, you know, I, I, I clothing is really important to me, and like fashion's important to me, and I like to, you know, wear certain things, and unfortunately, like because I'm so short, and because like my weight really shows when I gain it, I can't really put on too much so I I have to kind of figure out a lifestyle where I can eat um, more nutritious and healthier things and just kind of distribute my carbs between the weeks rather than com compile them all in one day kind of what I've been doing so um, yeah that's that's what's happening with me on that front um, what else has been going on okay so I was going to talk about this a couple weeks ago but I didn't get a chance to you guys know I'm in this book club and we have about, I think, 10 people in it. Um, we are reading, we're currently reading Chelsea Handler's book, Life Will Be the Death of Me and You Too. And we were in this place where her, um, her brother died, I think. And um, it was just really, really sad point in the book. And she didn't handle it very well. He was the oldest, she was the youngest, and she felt like abandonment. And um, in this book club, we, people kind of started talking about like loss, 
um, a couple of people shared different stories. I'm not going to talk about like the stories that were shared because it's their personal information, but um, it was really heartwarming to know that all of these strangers around the world, because most of the people are from LA, but there's other people that are from different states, um, felt comfortable enough to share such personal information about themselves, very, very personal, not just like, oh, well, my brother died, I felt the same way, you know, it, was, it got very, very deep, um, a lot about pain and anger and suffering and betrayal, so um, I just wanted to say that, you know, shout out to the book club, but also, I never thought that me deciding that I wanted to read five books a year and create this, like, book club to hold me accountable, that it would create this, like, small community of women who recap online every single Monday about the book and then kind of share their thoughts, but like also share their life experiences. So I thought that was very, very special. And um, I just want to remind you guys, if you are interested in joining the book club, we will be reading a new book after this one. Um, it'll probably be next year. I'm not sure yet, depending on how long this book takes us to read. But um, it is a very welcoming and um, small and kind community. Lena just reminded me that I did complete Hell Week. I know I was talking to you guys about it. Um, it was Hell Week at Orange Theory. You had to finish five of the eight workout classes, and they're, like, really, really hard during Hell Week. And I did. I finished my classes. I got my T-shirt, and my little sister took it from me. So now I have nothing to show for the Hell Week. But the shirt was ugly. I took a photo. And that's all I really needed is to let you guys know that I completed Hell Week. It was hell. And now I have not worked out in about three or four days. Instead, I have been eating all the goods that I just told you guys about. Also, the fires in LA just like can't stop, won't stop. There's like six fires going on. I cannot keep track. Like I looked up at the names. I was really confused. Like 426 fire, the easy fire, Kincaid fire. Who comes up with these names? Is there a reason for this shit? And like the hurricanes too, like Hurricane Lorena, the why? Why? I guess they're saying they're based on... Yeah, but sometimes the same areas have fires, and it's like they still name them something different. I don't understand. I mean, I'm uh, again, like, I, it, we're so numb to it. Like, people in L.A., it's just kind of like it's wildfire season. Like, it's the same shit every year. I don't know how this happens, but it does. And this, But for some reason, this year, the fires are kind of... Not super far from me, like, they're in the Valley Valley area, but, like, they're still, like, you know, in L.A. County, I guess, or San Fernando County, and I have really felt, like, the dry, the air is sucks. My throat is dry, my eyes are dry, my lips, like, my nose, everything, and I'm so far away from it, I can't even imagine, like, the people who live near, I mean, Jesus, let's not forget the people who, whose houses are on fire, obviously, but like the firefighters, like people who day and night are fighting these fires. Like, I don't know. I just like really feel for them. Um, and you know, my boyfriend's mom texts me like, Hey, people that don't live in LA, they think that they think that like, L I don't know if they, they just are always worry that the fires are right next door. You know, LA is so big it's so spread out so because of that you know people always text me they don't know they ask me like are you guys safe so my boyfriend's mom texted me asking me if we were safe and I told her yes and she was like do you have like an emergency bag and I've been trying to get one together 
for years and I just never did it. And I really sat there and thought about it. I didn't even think about myself. I was thinking, I was looking at photos online and I saw people like saving animals. I was like, oh my God, if I had to run away from my house, I don't even have dog food for my dog. Like I was to grab my dog. Like I don't even have dog food for my dog. And that's what kind of got me thinking. Like I need to create a, an emergency kit and box for not only myself, but for my dog and just like cash and this and that, like all these things. I'm so unprepared if anything were to happen, whether it was like an earthquake or a fire. Um, and yeah, that's just something that I, this, this season really reminded me of doing. And some people who are really like kind of lazy to create their own, there is a starter kit. Like you can get um, an emergency like backpack on Amazon. There's a whole thing. But I think I want to, maybe I'll buy one and then add to it. But I definitely need to create my own, especially now that I live, you know, on my own with my boyfriend. Like we have our own joint things. So we need to like get all of our information in one place and just have water and snacks prepared, like canned food is kind of gross like if that's what we had to like maybe chips and bars like that's probably what I would be living on but <laughs> but that is something to think about and the last thing I want to talk about in the BTS segment is um the big secret the big news it's not that big like if you follow me on social media then you probably know because I've been reposting Lena's ass but Lena and I have started a production company because we I know like this show is so fabulous and so well produced. Um, we decided to create a production company and it's called Noir Notebook Productions. Um, the name is really uh, warming up to me. <laughs> no, I really like it. I don't know. I Don't even ask how it happened. That's a story for a different day, but... We came up with this idea to do this production company. We work very well, to, very well together. And I don't know, I always saw myself in production. Um, Lena was basically producing things her whole life without like realizing it, I guess, in a way. So it just made sense. And we like producing content for other people. Like, I think for both of us, the development process is really important and so interesting, just like developing everything from scratch. I like the idea of like building things from beginning to, to end. Um, as you guys know, I work in the events industry. So like we build events from a conception to the actual event. So that's great. But this is so much more interesting to me is like building content from beginning to end. Like, oh, we should do this kind of video or this kind of episode. Okay, how are we going to do that and work backwards? Like seeing the end result in our mind and then figuring out how it starts so basically we are currently producing digital content mostly so podcasts youtube videos documentaries whatever um and it came at a time where one of my best friends iris palmer decided that she wants to move forward with creating her youtube channel which i've been telling her forever to do and she finally decided that she was going to do it and she is currently our first client we're producing her YouTube content. So to support her and to support us, make sure you guys go subscribe to her channel. It's at Iris Palmer with the Y, Y-R-I-S Palmer. Um, she's so pretty, so stylish, and like low-key funny. So um, yeah, you guys check her out. She has a lot of great tips, not only when it comes to fashion, but also motherhood and business and um, just an overall like cool girl raised in Los Angeles by an immigrant family from El Salvador. So it's just a really, really, um, I don't know. It's just a, a great concept and that she's, a she's really relatable in a way, in a way that you couldn't imagine her to be. So, um, it's going to be a journey for all of us to work on her channel. We have now like 
been, this is why we've been so tired, been working nonstop. We've created content for the next couple months, so it's just like, been go, 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 but now we're in a good place. We're rolling out some of her, her videos, and they're doing pretty well, so make sure you subscribe. Her first video is out now and her next one will be out this friday and also make sure to follow us on instagram we're going to eventually get a website we're working on all the goods but for now follow our production company on instagram at noir notebook and we decided we're going to spell noir with an e there's two ways we're going to go with the e way we'll explain that later as well but it's n-o-i-r-e noir notebook and um, yeah, we're going to be a little more active on social media than we've been so far. But we're really excited and we are getting, you know, new inquiries for clientele. And um, yeah. All right, guys, I think that's it for the BTS segment. Let's get into the talk worthy segment. So before we get into some hard hitting news, let's start with something light and bright. I want to do a Halloween costume recap. Um, I saw some really, really interesting costumes First of all, you know I love Housewives, especially Beverly Hills. Elisa Rinna is probably one of my favorites. She was J-Lo in the Versace dress with the high pony at the Casamigos party. She fucking killed it. Um, love that outfit. Um, Nina Dobrev was the Chanel fashion show crasher, which I knew people were going to do it, but she was so good. She looked like the outfit was on point. Gavin Newsom, our governor, who I will be talking about later on in this segment, him and his whole family dressed up as Democratic candidates. They were so fucking cute. Like, he was Biden. I think one of the kids was um, Kamala Harris. I think his wife was Elizabeth Warren. So it was really, really... Like, it was a cool family costume. I saw a lot of family costumes. Loved Kim and Kanye and the whole family. They were the Flintstones. And um, I don't really, really remember the cartoon, but, you know, that whole little... That whole little concept, uh, Chloe and um, True were, uh, was it the Dalmatians? She was Cruella de, Cruella de Vil? Cruella de Vil, Cruella, wow, you know I was not born here. Yeah, she was the one with the spotted, the Dalmatian thing. <laughs> Cruella. Is it Cruella because she was cruel? Cruella? You don't know either. Okay, we don't know. Um, Kylie was, like, something every single day. It was crazy. I loved uh, the Marilyn Monroe one, like, so well thought out, especially the photo shoot with all of the guys. I think Stormy was my favorite kid costume where she dressed up as Kylie from the Met Gala. Um, I think my overall favorite costume was, like, Kim K because she took it to the next level. Like, she was in it to win it this year. She was like, okay, if we're, if we're getting dressed, putting on costumes for Instagram, we're going to break the internet. And I think she did that. She was Elle Woods from Legally Blonde. And not did she not only did she dress up as Elle Woods and had like all of the looks, but she did the whole Harvard um, admissions video. And I think she did really, really good. It was hilarious. They had the whole set. And I think it was also like kind of like a big middle finger to everyone who makes fun of her for trying to like study law and you know Elle Woods and that was that that's what the whole movie's about like this blonde sorority girl trying to become a lawyer and go to Harvard so I think that this was Kim's way of like giving everyone the middle finger because she never she never commented on all of the feedback that she got when she decided that she wanted to be a lawyer and people were really saying some fucked up shit and she never said anything about it she kept quiet and I think this was her moment 
of like, screw you, I'm going to do whatever I want. Um, and I really appreciate that because she always gets ahead of the joke. So I thought that was cool. And I think that was probably my favorite Halloween costume. Next thing I want to talk about is Omarion. Have you ever seen a person more unbothered in your life? Um, for those of you who don't know what's going on, you just, you know, just go to the shade room and you'll get a really good glimpse of how carefree Omarion is. Just look at all the memes. This man, um, okay, let me just give you a, a, a breakdown. He has a, he's dating somebody named April. They have kids together. That's his baby mama. They're in love, whatever. They break up and she starts dating his bandmate, bandmate. What's his name? Lil Fizz? Lil Flip, Lil Fizz, Fizz, the Backstreet Boys would never. I mean, could you imagine? So they've been, B2K has been, been broken up forever. So it wasn't like, you're like, are they friends? Are they not? Like kind of. But they came together to do like a reunion tour. And in the midst of all of this, he's dating his baby mother. I mean, they have two kids together. Out of all the women in the world, you date his baby mother. Fine. Um, I really believe that when people move on and if that wasn't for you, like as, as bad as it may seem like my best friend or like my old bandmate or a, a, like a guy that I don't know what their situation is. I don't know how close they were. They're definitely like brothers growing up, right? They were together traveling. He's dating my baby mother. A person like me, if I was done with somebody, I'd be like, okay, like maybe they're meant to be together. And who am I to stop that? Who am I to get in the way of real love? And if this is real love, fine. That's how I process things, but I completely understand that not everybody feels that same way. So I get all of the like, I don't know, I, I get all of like the shaming April and, and Lil Fizz. I understand that part of it too. But Omarion doesn't care. And you know what that means? We shouldn't fucking care. And if he does care, he has a great way of showing that he doesn't care. He, he does not make any public statements. He is working out. He is posting his, like, shirtless shoots with him, like, sweating. I mean, the, he is, like, a woman who just got cheated on, who is just out there in the world trying to, like, thirst trap. He doesn't even care. Like, he is, he's washed his hands clean with it. And that's the level of, like, unbotheredness that I want to be at all the time. So... If you're pressed, just think of Amarian, because really he's the only one that should and could be mad in the world right now, and he's fine. While these two are flaunting their relationship, like they've been together for years, and like those are his kids, Amarian's no, living his best life. He doesn't give a fuck, and that's where I'm trying to be in life, and that's kind of where I'm at, except when it comes to eating. I'm bothered. All right, the next thing we're going to talk about is this LAX Uber shenanigan pickup thing. So for those of you who don't live in LA or just haven't traveled in the last, I don't know, couple weeks, even a couple months, LAX has been a shit show. If you try to call an Uber at LAX, it takes quite some time. But if you try to get picked up from the airport, your peoples cannot even get into the airport. One time I was waiting for my sister for 45 minutes because the traffic is so bad it's so backed up you cannot pick people up like honestly the best way is to go have them go up to departing if you want to get picked up and that's a bitch because like you don't the LAX is a very it's just a very bad airport and it's not 
a great thing to say because it is one of the most probably visited airports. It is uh, LA. LA is such a tourist area. We are so touristy city. We're so like overpopulated. We have so many people in and out of the airport. And for us to be struggling to get picked up after flying for, I don't know, 12 hours, it's pretty bad. And I don't think that when they were building the airport, God knows how long ago, they were anticipating this much traffic in and out of LAX. And they built it in a place where now there's shit all around it. And you cannot build out from there. Like LA is so congested. There's nowhere to go in that airport. They they can't really build out and make more space for these kinds of things to be avoided. So what do they do? They decide that they're going to move all of the uh, ride share apps. So taxis, lifts, and Ubers, they're going to move it to a different location. So how do you get picked up? You get in a fucking shuttle. By the way, the worst thing about LAX are the shuttle buses. They're so annoying. There's one person in a shuttle bus and it's going across the airport. Just one person. They never fill those fucking things up and there's 50 at a time and you can't get anywhere. And that's the worst part about LAX and that's what they need to figure out is how to get rid of those fucking shuttle buses. But anyway, so you get in a shuttle bus and you get shuttled all the way off to some area I don't know yet because I haven't done it and you know what at this point I'm probably never gonna do it because I saw the 45 to hour long wait lines to get an uber or lyft it was a complete disaster and I even heard that like they only give uh companies a certain amount of slots like uber only had like seven slots for cars to be in line and waiting and they used to make like 500 to 1,000 trips a day or like an hour or something like that. And now they have seven slots. So there's like a big problem with the actual drivers. Anyway, so you have to go to a shuttle, go over there. It's a hot mess. Everyone's in one area. But the only way you can avoid it is if you call an Uber SUV or an Uber Black. So what that means to me is that you guys are only helping out people who got money because Uber Black, or who were kind enough to travel together and they decided to carpool and get their asses into an SUV, because those are usually the people that take SUVs. And those are the only people that are allowed to get picked up right in, at the airport. So my suggestion is call an Uber SUV or an Uber Black, get dropped off at the local in and out eat a hamburger, and then call your Uber pool. I don't fucking know. I don't care. If you don't want to pay all that money, call your Uber pool. Because for me to be able to come to my house is like 60 something $70 for a fucking regular Uber because it's so far. So I'm not going to take an Uber Black all the way back to my house. But I will take one to In-N-Out. And I will eat some animal fries. Maybe not next year since I'm going to be better. And I will eat some animal fries. And I will call a regular Uber X and I'll get home. And that's what I think everyone should do. I think you should save yourself the uh, atrocities of uh, the premature plan of wherever they shoved these people. I think they need to create a second airport. Somehow they found land to build a stadium in Inglewood. Why can't they find land to move the fucking international flights out of the way? Like, let's get the, let's get the international flights out of the way. Or let's get, like, let's, oh, let, let's just do a Delta only. This is a Delta airport LAX. Like, just put Delta away or put some other airline, put a couple of airlines away. Like, I really think they should separate domestic and international, and that's it. There's no, I, I, I don't see any other way because there's nowhere else to build near LAX 
every single piece of the fucking land is taken. There's freeways. You can't knock the freeway down. What are you going to do? There's highways. There's houses. There's in and out. Can't knock out in and out. So, like, where do you go? You have to move the airport or create a second airport. They cannot move the airport. So they have to build a second airport because it's only going to get worse from here. The next thing I want to talk about is a little bit of good news for me and my peoples. U.S. Congress passed a resolution finally recognizing the Armenian genocide. So what that means, first of all, if you guys don't know, I think I talked about this. I can't remember. Maybe my show was already on hiatus. But um, if you live in L.A. and you see around April 24th, a lot of Armenians with the flags in the cars and a lot of honking and um, a parade, a protest, um, basically... It's now been 104 years, okay, since 1915, that 1.5 or so Armenians um, were murdered. There was a genocide, and the land was taken by the Ottoman Empire. Um, You can even Google it. If you Google, like, Armenia then and now, um, before genocide, you can see how much of the land belonged to Armenia and what is now left of the country. A lot of it got taken um, during that genocide with the Ottoman Empire, and um, till this day, it has not been recognized by not only the U.S., but by um, Turkey, who is responsible for the genocide. They claim that it is a it was a civil war um, and that Turks also died in the civil war. But there were American troops. There was a lot of people who were who witnessed um, the genocide. And it was it's very well documented. And it was 100 percent not just um, a civil war. And. Turkey is a very powerful country, so they do have a lot of um, business. They have a lot of business dealings with the U.S. and a lot of different countries. So there are some countries that won't recognize that it was a genocide. However, forty-nine out of the fifty states in America do um, recognize the genocide, and also a more than 24 countries, right? But America never did because of our diplomatic relations with Turkey. And I totally understand that. Like, at the end of the day, it is all politics. I believe almost every president that's been um, in power in the last 19, 20 years, um, Clinton, Bush, Obama, I think everyone has tried to um, enact this, you know, uh, into law and just affirm that um, the um, um, Armenian genocide really did happen um, and to recognize and remember but it never worked out because of our relationship with Turkey but now um, it, there was an overwhelming vote by the house I think it was like 400 something votes to 11 or so to recognize the Armenian genocide now I don't know what happens from here I don't know if there's like this is the first step and there was um, there needs to be like an official signing of this by the president. I don't know what happens at this point. Um, I tried to research it and doesn't release, there's not really much information about it. But I don't know if uh, Armenians are necessarily looking for reparations. Um, I don't know if many Armenians care about that. I think it was just more important for it to be recognized and the history to be recognized, you know. But there is a little bit of controversy around this. So right now we're having a hard time with Turkey. America kind of like is using this as a political tactic, I would say. This is the perfect time to initiate this resolution because of um, what's going on with America and Turkey at, at the moment and when they did have this voting one of the biggest things that came um up during this voting 
is uh, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar from Minnesota voted present. There was two other people that voted present, but um, her vote really stuck out. And that means that she's not voting for or against it. It's just she said in her statement that she recognizes the genocide, but she didn't vote for it because she believed that this entire thing was like politically motivated and we were kind of using Americans were using this as a way to piss off Turkey because um, they, I don't know, they have a disagreement with us right now or whatever. I don't know the politics of what's going on overseas and I probably should. But this was a moment where um, they were trying to kind of throw it in Turkey's face or kind of use it as an ultimatum. And I definitely understand where she's coming from and I don't disagree with her. I do also think that it's odd that this happened at this time, you know, like it's clear that it was politically motivated and it probably is a little bit petty. Um, but if not now, then when? Probably never. I do hope that um, it, it becomes recognized worldwide because there truly was a genocide. The last thing I'm going to talk about in the Talkworthy segment is the NCAA claims that they are going to start paying college athletes. And um, I say claims because it's kind of one of those things where it's like I need to see it to believe it. Um, and I feel like now they're going to, but they have stated in the past that um, they definitely did not believe in, in this um, motion. And according to NPR, notably the decision follows California's adoption of a law that bans schools in the state from preventing student athletes from accepting compensation from advertisers and allows them to hire agents. Government Gavin Newsom signed the legislation late last month, calling it the beginning of a national movement. So basically, the NCAA was against paying athletes, but when California's governor signed it, it threatened the system, and he just, like, forced their hand. Um, now, under the California measure, thousands of student athletes in America's most populous state will be allowed to promote products and companies trading on their sports renown for the first time. And although the law applies only to California, it sets up the possibility that leaders in college sports will eventually have to choose between changing the rules for athletes nationwide or barring some of the America's sports powerhouses from the competition. Um, in an interview with New York Times, Newsom described the law as a big move to expo expose the force and to challenge a system that is outsized in its capacity to push back. Every single student in the university can market their name, image, and likeness. They can go and get a YouTube channel and they can monetize that, Newsom said. The only group that can't are athletes. Why is that? Oh my God, you guys, first of all, I like love our governor. I can't talk about it enough. I'm so thankful for him. I feel like he is like a mover and a shaker. He got into office and he has been moving and fucking shaking. He is always, always, always in the news for something good and positive. Um, and really, really, really is just a force for California. Um, I like Jerry Brown as well, but I'm really excited about everything that Gavin Newsom is doing. I feel like he's for the people, like really, really, really for the people. And it shows in something like this, because you have to think about politics and who endorsed politics and the money that where it comes from. You know, these Pac-12 schools, like there's a lot of money there. There's a lot of money in the NCAA. There's a lot of money in college sports and a lot of these big guys, big guys with money. They don't want this to happen because, yeah, at the end of the day, they will the, the schools are going to lose some money. And they're going to lose some money. So 
the fact that he is really for the people, really for the athletes, really for the the young people, it, it kind of shows that he doesn't really fucking care um, what people think of him, what some of these, where some of these endorsement deals will come from later on. And I really do respect that. I feel like he is true to um, his word and to what is right. Why shouldn't student athletes get paid? This is a conversation that we've had for years um, for a, uh, an industry that's like generated $14 billion. The NCAA generated $14 billion from athletes playing sports. And by the way, if you look at profit and loss, like what is loss? A fucking uh, college scholarship. Like these colleges make so much money giving away a few scholarships is not that crazy to them. It does not put a dent in their pockets. So this is an industry that has generated $14 billion. That is so much money. Basically, at the expense of these athletes, they're selling their jerseys, selling, uh, there's commercials, there's ads on TV. They're making so much money. And they don't have a lot to lose here. And it's not fair for athletes. Everyone else can go get a job. Like what Gavin Newsom said is so true. We can be in college and go get a YouTube channel and go to school and then film our videos on the side and make hundreds and thousands of dollars. We can be in college and be studying science or something and go get a a job at a research um, lab and make money. Athletes can't really do that. When you're a competitive athlete, you're giving everything to the school, right? You're giving all of your time. You have two a days. You're traveling all the time. You have to keep up with your grades. That's hard enough when you're playing these games, you're traveling, you have you have basically practice every day. I don't know. I think maybe one or two months out of the year you have for like free time, but for the most part, most of these guys are going to summer school and still playing in the summer and girls. And um, they can't really get a job. Like what university is going to want them to get a job? They can't really get a job. And people's arguments like, oh, they're getting a college education. Yeah, but you can get a scholarship in any of these, in any other subject and you can still go get a job. These guys can't really get jobs. And you have to think where a lot of the, like these, a lot of the, the cases of these athletes are coming from you know, families who maybe otherwise wouldn't have been able to put them through college and now they have these scholarships, but this money is for like their education. They put, sure they have like a, like a meal plan and they put them in in these dorms, but they don't really have money to do anything. I knew a lot of athletes in college and unfortunately they did not have money for a lot of shit. Um, and how, how are, how are these schools making $14 billion off of their names? People are walking around with their last name on their backs on these jerseys and they can't make a dollar from it it really didn't make any sense to me and i'm so proud of california for again just being fucking trendsetters and you know what if the ncaa tried to penalize california and the pac-12 from competing if they decided to pay their athletes I think that would be very problematic. We are the most populous state. We do have really big universities here for sports, USC, UCLA, Berkeley, Stanford. I mean, these are massive schools. with a, They generate a ton of money. Um, I think that if the NCAA tries to somehow penalize these schools for deciding to, well, not deciding to, they don't have a fucking choice. It's a law now for having to either pay their athletes or letting their um, student athletes get an an agent, have these commercials, um, sell whatever they want to sell. If they ban them, which I don't think they can now because there's too much pressure, then that's going to be their loss. But the other issue when you are a college athlete is, you know, most of them because of their ability to really get another job or, um, 
you know, pursue other things, they don't, they put a lot of, like, all their eggs in one basket, I, I kind of want to say. So they don't have the opportunity to really work and save money and, God forbid, they get injured. Or if they graduate um, and they don't get drafted, a lot of them have no direction of, of what they're going to do next because their whole life has been dedicated to sports. That's a, a different question and a different beast that needs to be solved is, like, how are we educating these athletes who maybe their whole life thought that they were going to get drafted and never did. Um, what happens for to these people after sports, right? That's a different monster, but maybe this will give the opportunity for them to benefit and earn money while they still can, while it's still hot, save some of that money so when they are done with school or, God forbid, get injured, they aren't struggling trying to figure out how they're going to survive. Um, so that is another reason why... This is a great first step, and I'm really just proud of California for setting the tone. So now we're in the last segment of the show called Dropping Gems, and the topic of the week is cancel culture. You guys are probably rolling your fucking eyes because I am so tired of hearing about cancel culture, but I feel like it was screaming at me last week. Um, first of all, Jacqueline Hill's costume was like canceled. She's canceled all over her body. Then Laura Lee was on the Skinny Confidential podcast. And as you guys may remember, she was canceled for saying some racist shit. And then Obama sat down with Yara Shahidi and they talked about cancel culture. So I just felt like I needed to talk about it because it is something that I'm I have a few opinions on, but at the same time, I'm just kind of sick of it. Like, I'm sick of the whole thing. So I'm just going to get it out now in episode three, and then we'll move on from here, right? First of all, if you don't know what it means, I'm going to read you the definition. I don't know where this is from. There's a lot of different definitions of cancel culture, so I'll read you the one that I found maybe on Google. Not sure. Cancel culture is a form of boycott in which someone, typically a celebrity, has shared a questionable opinion or, again, has had problematic behavior called out on social media. This usually begins when a person says or expresses an opinion that is racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, or xenophobic. Not when a person says or expresses. When a person also said. Okay, let's talk about how people be digging up the old tweets. Um, now, some people promote and use cancel culture, um, and others despise it. And, I don't know, I'm somewhere... In the middle. Um, I do think that it is important to hold people accountable, okay? But I also think that the idea of cancel culture can become toxic. Um, I think that I, it is a form of public shaming, but I wouldn't say that it is constructive. Um, I think that people say shit every day, okay? People say shit every day, but they don't have a platform. And they don't get caught. They're not in the public eye, so I kind of understand when Obama said that um, something about those who cast the first stone or you shouldn't pass judgment. Um, I do believe in consequences, but I also think that people should be able to tell you when you're being a fucking idiot, okay? I don't think that it is okay to be able to go through life with no kind of consequence. So that is a form um, of cancel culture that I do agree with. But I do think there's a happy medium, Um I'm not saying that things you've said in the past don't matter or that you shouldn't be accountable for your actions in the past, present, and future, but I do think that context is everything. Like, when this person said what they said, um, when was it? What was the era like? Was the culture different? Was the language different? Um, were some things more acceptable at a different time? Like, let's really look at context. There's a, a lot of people, you know, 
are going to be looking back at our generation in 10, 15 years and are going to be shocked at the things that we were saying, at some of the stuff that these musicians say or some of the kinds of pictures people post. In 15, 20 years, it's going to be... It's not going to be acceptable. So that's what I mean when I say when people are digging up old tweets or, or old interviews, what is the context? Obviously, anything that is racist is not okay ever. Doesn't doesn't like matter what time, when it was. But I do think that there are certain things that people say or do that are almost appropriate or okay or will pass during certain eras or during certain times. Um, so let's look at context first. Okay, the problem with us um, using cancel culture as a tool to silence people or to boycott um, those people is that we're passing judgment. There's no opportunity to show grace. Um, and that can really get bad. I mean, I really do think that online bullying can become very intense and you don't want something to happen to that person, even if you disagree with them. Now, when I'm, when I'm talking about these things, I'm not talking about like, like R. Kelly or like Harvey Weinstein and like those people of the world. Also, I do think there's a way to go about things um, and to even treat those people. But I'm just saying, when I'm talking about, I'm, I'm thinking about like the things that people have said. And I know sometimes that words can be more hurtful, but I'm not talking about like people being I don't know, coerced into a sex cult, whatever the fuck, or raped or molested. Um, now, I think that people are allowed to be offended. They are allowed to feel like they have been wronged. You cannot control that. You probably can offend someone every single day, and people are allowed to feel the way that they feel. But the only thing is, people want to be heard sometimes. Um, and you should be able to critique people. I don't think that people should be able to get away with the shit that they say. But in what way, right? You have to put yourself in other people's shoes. And this is kind of what we talked about last week is empathy. I think that people make mistakes. You're not fucking perfect. Just because you don't have a platform or you're not in the public eye where you're not getting scrutinized and people aren't looking up your old shit, I bet you if somebody dug into every single thing that everyone of, every one of us has said, they're going to find something, okay? So the first thing I would say is have empathy and kind of put yourself in someone else's shoes. Um, I don't believe I've ever said anything that is racist, but I, I, I don't know. I could have said something that was innocent, but politically incorrect, right? Um, and I have to explain that to, to others, and someone could be offended by my words. But at the end of the day, I would never, and I have never gotten uh, excited with a fucking keyboard. Never in my life have I been an internet bully. I do not believe in leaving mean comments, um, even when I strongly, strongly disagree with someone. Um, I think the meanest thing I probably have ever tweeted was something to Trump, and it had nothing to do with like any the, the way he looked or his appearance like I've never called people call him a cheeto I've never said anything like that I probably just said lol are you fucking kidding? like just something like kind of like eye roll like this is what the era that we're living in I have I feel a lot of things and I think a lot of things but I have never personally tried to uh hurt someone or call somebody names it's just not the way that I go about things because I don't believe that that is constructive um and I think that people were upset about Obama's critique on cancel culture because he just has an old school way of processing things. And I don't necessarily think it's good or bad. I just feel like it is another way to handle somebody who has said something offensive. Um, he said, the way of me making change is to be 
he says the way that this is how I view cancel culture is the way of me making changes to be as judgmental as possible about other people. And that's enough. That's not activism. That's not bringing about change. If all you're doing is casting stones, you're probably not going to get that far. That's easy to do. And then I also got a quote here from Jenna Wortham. She said, cancel culture doesn't really work. You can't just cut problematic people out and problematic cultural properties or entities out because it's whack-a-mole, right? You're dealing with the symptoms of a sick society rather than actually treating the disease. I thought that was very well said. And then Billy um, Eichner said this about Kevin Hart when his old tweets came out. I'm not into people being permanently canceled over something like this. To me, cancellation is childish. I'm into conversation, not cancellation. I'm into owning up to mistakes, acknowledging blind spots and hurtful remarks, talking through it, discussing it, learning it, moving past it, making progress together. To cancel someone immediately, Eichner is essentially saying, is denying them the opportunity to learn and grow. This is basically what I was talking about, and this is kind of exactly the quote that I was looking for. Um, I agree with everything. This really stood out to me. This I'm into conversation, not cancellation. Obviously, I'm into conversation because I can't fucking stop talking, but I am 100% um, with everything that he said. Again, I think people should be heard. I think that if you are offended you sh- and someone's in the public eye and they're saying these statements, you know, if you let people get away with it, it could become dangerous. It could become dangerous. Like rhetoric, people, the way people communicate, you have to hold people accountable. But I think that it's the way that you do it, right? Um, you can't be angry. It can't be vulgar. You can't like, be- beat people down, be a keyboard. One thing that I want to remind you guys of is that I don't think that Half the shit that people say in these comments, you will never say it if that person was in front of your face. So don't fucking say shit that you are not willing to say to somebody in person. Um, This is kind of like my view on cancel culture in general. I think that if you are offended, if you are hurt, you should hold somebody accountable, but it has to be in a constructive way. And you could be hurt, but it has to be well said and intelligent. And we should all, we could all, say something to someone at the same time. That's not ganging up. That's not attacking. It's just a form of like, hey, we're bringing awareness to something that you said that hurt a lot of people and let them sit with that and process it. And if they apologize it, you can't cancel everyone. If they apologize, you have to be able to forgive, show grace and see how they do in the future and see if they've learned and they grow. Because at the end of the day, like what you say up about me says more about you than it does about me, right? So that's the same thing when it comes to leaving comments. Like what you're saying to people and how you're react, reacting to to things that they've said in the past says more about you than it does about them. Your reaction says more about you always. So let's kind of be constructive versus trying to cancel people and um, beat them down for something they probably already feel shitty about. I think because the internet created this concept of cancel culture that people then in turn use the internet, um, hide behind a screen to kind of hurt others when they feel hurt, um, or jump on a bandwagon to feel like they're a part of something like this internet version of activism, um, to kind of not, they're trying to bring awareness, but they're also hurting people in the long run. I'm not by any means saying that, you know, some of the, the shit that people say is okay. I, I, I don't agree with it. Um, but again, I'm just trying to offer you guys a different perspective here and a different way of going about it because I, I don't think that it is a productive method to all jump into the bandwagon and basically bash somebody and, and out them. I think that 
there are better ways to teach somebody a lesson because at the end of the day, like if somebody is only apologizing because a couple thousand people said that what they did was wrong and they're no longer buying their products and the endorsement deal ends, like, are they really sorry? You know, if you kind of get down to it and, and, and at the end of the day, tell somebody, and maybe you think that your comment may never be seen, but these people are probably reading every single comment. And if you tell somebody why you feel the way you feel and how they made you feel. I think that's the strongest thing is, hey, your words made me feel like this. This is how this resonated with me. When you say things that way, people can understand why the things they've said in the past may have hurt a lot of people. So um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I know it ties into the empathy concept that we talked about last week, but this is a, a little bit different. I just want to remind people that we and we are on the internet. And we are, you know, behind this keyboard. There are different ways of um, of approaching situations and um, just be a little kinder, um, even if it doesn't feel like someone deserves it. Everyone deserves it. At the end of the day, we shouldn't be the ones to past so much judgment because at the end of the day like none of us are without sin so that is the topic of this week and I hope that you guys enjoyed it um yeah uh make sure to leave a rating and a review and subscribe share this episode with someone if there's something here that you enjoyed and learned and if you're watching on YouTube make sure to leave a comment and give me your thoughts on cancel culture I'm always curious to hear from you guys especially about controversial topics like this one so um, leave a comment and let me know if you agree with it if you believe in it if you're a part of it shit if you've been canceled are you back let me know um, subscribe and give this video a thumbs up